Well, it is an honor uh, to bring forth the word this morning. How many are ready for the word? Amen. Amen. Well, before I begin, uh, let me uh, pause and express my appreciation uh, from my wife and I for all of you all for your love and your support. Uh, this is uh, an exciting season for us. As you know, uh, may know, our due date is next week. And so, uh, so we, are, we are excited, but you all have shown us so much love and appreciation uh, throughout these couple of days. And, and, and I just want to say for my wife and I how much we are grateful for each and every one of you for your love and support and encouragement. Uh, we don't have family here uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, my family is two hours away, uh, drive two hours away. My wife's family is in Texas, two hours flight. Uh, but you all have been like family to us. And so we just want to say thank you so much uh, for being there with us and encouraging us. Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start Colossians chapter 1. There's a word from the Lord. Excited about sharing it with you all. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start reading at verse 3. If you don't have your Bibles, it is also on the screen as well. Colossians chapter 1, starting here at verse 3, and it reads like this. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which has come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learn about God's good news, about the good news from Aphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant. He's helping us on your behalf. Verse 8, he has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in his inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I would love to talk to you this morning from this subject, anchored in the center. Everyone shout anchored in the center. Anchored. Oh, come on. Y'all can do better than that. Say anchored in the center. Amen. 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 So, so growing up, growing up in Maryland, my, my family and I, we love uh, planning our vacations. But one of the requirements about the Carter's family vacation is that there always must be a beach. 
I don't know about you, uh, but uh, I took swimming lessons in past, uh, but still didn't learn how to swim. So uh, I think it's true that a black man can't swim. I am that. So uh, I, I, I cannot, I can't swim. So, so on, the, on the other hand, on the other hand, my wife, my mother, and my sister, uh, they love the water. And so uh, my, my father and I, we just sit back on the beach and we just wear our swimming trunks and try to look good. That's all we do. So, uh, so that's, that's all we do. My wife, my mother, and my sister, they love just getting in the water. And so uh, we, when my wife and I, we went to uh, Turks and Kinkos uh, in 2019, and uh, it was a beautiful water and everything. And my wife got in the water. She said, why won't you get in the water? I said, it's cold. That's beautiful. I can see it from here. So uh, I, said, I said, I know my place. My place is right here. So, so, so as we were talking about ideas of vacation, as uh, we were waiting our son and thinking of different vacations and where we would like to go, uh, my wife and my family have been on cruises. Her family has been on cruises. My parents have been on cruises because it's all-inclusive and it's pretty affordable. And so uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. So, so as you, you probably would have guessed, uh, since I don't like water, uh, even though my parents and my sisters have gone uh, on cruises and my wife and her parents and siblings have gone on a cruise, I still have not gone on a cruise. You say, Pastor Rodney, why have you not gone on a cruise? For two reasons. Number one, I don't like the water because I can't swim. And number two, I saw Jaws and Titanic, so therefore, I'm not getting in the water. So, so, so as, as, as I was doing some research about cruises, and, and, and because of COVID, we're not going to do a cruise, but as I was doing some research about cruises, I, I learned that a, that a cruise ship is, um, has this wonderful device that is attached to this cruise, and it's called an anchor. An anchor is a device normally made of metal used to connect the vessel to the bed of the body of water to prevent the craft from drifting due to the wind and the currents. A ship's anchor has 57 links, which weighs 350 pounds, making up one 90-foot chain that weighs a total of 20,000 pounds. Can I tell you, that's heavy. The purpose of the anchor is to keep the ship from drifting in the midst of the wind and the current. No matter what tries to shift or move the ship, the anchor makes sure that it's sure. I believe, I believe that anchoring our lives in the center produces fruit and strength to endure whatever we will experience. Let me say that one more time. Write that down. Anchoring our lives in the center produces fruit and strength to endure whatever we will experience. The Bible talks about a potter and the clay. The Bible says that whenever the potter will create something, the Bible says that the, the clay was marred in the potter's hand. One day, my wife and I, we went to a coffee shop and they had these wonderful arrangements of clay pots. And I noticed one of my friends, he was a potter and he began to make this clay vessel. But he said, in order for this clay vessel to work, not only must it not only be on the wheel, it must be in the center of the wheel. If it's not anchored in the center of the wheel while I'm creating this pot, he said, it can become distraught. In our text today, the apostle Paul is writing to this church, and one of the apostles' followers started this church, and he's giving them an update on what Paul, uh, giving an update to Paul about how well the church is doing and asking Paul to pray for this particular church. Because the church had been experiencing a lot of pressure because of the culture to turn away from Jesus. 
Paul is encouraging them to remain anchored in their faith in Christ and warning them against the false teachers and the heretical teachers that was trying to drift them from the gospel. In the midst of life situations and cultures that try to drift the people in our text from being anchored in the center, the Apostle Paul prays three prayers that he prays for these people in this text that I believe that is applicable for each and every one of us today. I believe in order for us to be anchored in the center, the first thing we must do is we must be anchored in faith. Everyone shout, be anchored in faith. Uh, there, there's a story about, uh, about, these, about these two, two young ladies, and uh, they, they grew up and, uh, uh, in their home with their father. And this Christmas morning, their father said, I want to do something totally different. I want to do something totally different for you for Christmas. So instead of me putting uh, your Christmas gifts under uh, the tree this year, I'm actually going to put them in your separate rooms. Uh, so the girls got uh, to sleep downstairs near the Christmas tree and got up early the next morning and went into their, both their separate rooms. One One girl went in her room and found toys, and the other girl found pony manure. Y'all heard me right. One girl found toys and the other girl found pony manure. So, 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 the, so the father went into their, their rooms and both of the girls were excited. And uh, uh, the little girl who had toys in her room said, thank you so much for giving me these toys. I really wanted them. And then she said, okay, I'm going to go check on my sister. She went and checked on her sister. They had the pony manure in her room and started seeing her throwing the pony manure in the air. She said, why are you throwing pony manure in the air? She said, I'm excited. She, she said, why, why are you excited by having pony manure in your room? She said, well, if there's pony manure in my room, there must be a pony somewhere. <laughs> Can I tell you that's faith? I actually don't see the evidence, the true evidence of it, but I see that, that God is getting ready to bring that very thing that I've been standing in need of. Faith is a belief or conviction that moves us to trust. Faith has two aspects. Faith has two aspects. It is intellectual agreement and it's also trust. It's intellectual agreement and it's trust. Intellectual agreement is believing something to be true. Trust is actually relying on the fact that something is true. Well, when you walked in church today, you found out where you wanted to sit or Jason or one of the ushers helped you find where you wanted to sit. Now, this is faith. It is intellectual agreement, recognizing that a chair is a chair and agreeing with that. And you sit because you understand and trust in the fact that it's a chair. Faith is intellectual agreement to the fact and also trust in the facts. Colossians 1:4 says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ and your love for all of God's people. Paul addresses their faith because he addresses where they place their faith. He's not just addressing their faith, but he's addressing where they place their faith. Because the question is, is not do you have faith, but my question is, who do you have your faith in? Paul is not only thanking God that they are anchored in faith, but he's excited because they're anchoring their faith in Christ. Paul noted in Hebrews 12 too, he says, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated down the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is not only the author of our faith, he's also the finisher of our faith. For Philippians 1, 6 says, he begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. As believers, It's vital for us to understand that faith is a crucial element to pleasing the Lord. 
Hebrews 11:6 says, with our faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. There's a story about a young girl who was in a house. And when she was in this house, she learned when she was in elementary school, whenever there's a fire, how to get out of her house. So one day that there was a fire in the house and while there was this fire in the house, the father was able to get out, but the young girl could not get out the house. The young girl was stuck in the house and the father got in front of the house and saw that his daughter was hanging her head out of the window. The father said, daughter, jump out the window. The little girl said, daddy, I can't see you. The father said, daughter, I know there's a lot of smoke. I know it's dark. I know you're scared, but just jump. The little girl said, daddy, I can't see you. Uh, I, I can't see you. He said, no, you can't see me, but I can see you. Just jump out and trust me. You know, it's bad enough that this young girl's on the third floor of this burning house and he's asking her to jump. When she cannot see, that's terror. But in the midst of the chaos and the confusion, this blind girl heard a voice, said, jump, I got you. Jesus is asking us to jump today. He says, I know you're nervous, but I want you to jump. I, I know you're scared, but I want you to jump. I know you don't understand, but I want you to jump. Hebrews 11:1 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for, and it is the evidence of things we cannot see. When you have faith, hearing is not, uh, seeing is not needing, needed. When you have faith, hearing is just enough. Because we don't walk by what we see, we walk by what we believe. Let me say that one more time. We don't walk by what we see, we walk by what we believe. Now the people in Colossians have faith, but Paul is encouraging them to take their faith to a whole nother level. You know, as you can see, I'm a pretty skinny guy. And so uh, my dream was uh, before I got married to my wife, I wanted to bulk up. So my, 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 my brother-in-law looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I wanted to bulk up a little bit. So, so I decided, I said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to go get me a personal trainer. So I, I got myself a personal trainer. And when I got this personal trainer, uh, it, it, was, it was a very exhausting day because the first day I passed out, but that's another story. So uh, I, I said, I want to work out. So uh, they said, well, what is your goals? I said, well, my goal is to look like this. And they said, okay, uh, that's, that's great. So they said, okay, I'm going to put you on this bench machine. And they put me on the bench machine and I was just, I was just lifting. I said, okay, I'm good. I got this thing. I'm going to look swole after this. And so, so uh, I, I ended up looking at myself in the mirror. So the next, next, next day I went uh, back to the trainer. I went back to the trainer and I laid on the bench press machine. I said, come on, man, give me the weights. I got this thing. He said, no, no, I, I want to, I want to do something a little different today. Here, here's a big ball. I said, okay, this is cool. And I, I, said, I said, well, you going to give me the same weights? He said, yeah, I'm going to give you the same weights. And he gave me the same weights and I started lifting it. And I said, dude, what, what in the world did you just do? I said, did you add more weight on this, on this barbell? He said, no, I didn't. He said, I gave you the same weights. I said, well, what, 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 what's different? He said, the first time you were lifting weights, you were in a balanced place. It was easy to lift it. But as soon as I put you on the ball, it was an unbalanced place and I gave you the same weight, it was hard. I said, I said what, what are you simply saying? He said, when you were on the bench, the flat bench pressing machine, he said you were building muscles that you already had. But when you were on the ball and you went in an unbalanced place and I gave you the same weight, he said you were building muscles that you didn't even know you had. Can I tell you that when you're in an unbalanced place and you have to have your faith, God says, sometimes I put you in an unbalanced place so you can build your faith that you didn't even know you had. 
I had to ask my, my trainer, I said, hey, is there, is there, is, 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 it, what, what's different? He said, I, I told him, I said, I want to put on more muscles. He said, uh, right now, you don't put on more muscles, you develop your muscles because you have the same amount of muscles as everybody else. Some people had to go through some things in order to get the muscles that they have. Can you look at so many people around you and look at their faith? You probably say, how in the world did they get that type of faith? They had to go through some developing seasons and in order to get the faith they have. In, in our text today, we see Paul saying, talking about faith development, and he's telling them to have faith in Christ. But one thing you must understand that when we give our life to Christ, we experience something called saving faith. Everyone shout saving faith. Saving. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul is saying it is by grace you have been saved. Grace through faith that you've been saved. Saving faith is the beginning of our faith journey with Christ. But Paul is saying in our text that they had saving faith because of their confident hope and what God had reserved for them in heaven. They had this expectation that they first heard of it during his good news. Romans 10, 17 declares faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Saving faith is that faith we experience when we're in a hopeless place without Christ and we recognize our need for Christ. That is saving faith. That's not the saving faith that he's talking about here in our text because the pressures of the culture and life situations are pushing on these people that already have saving faith. But when you have saving faith, saving faith is not just the end, it's the beginning. Because we have saving faith, it then moves us to something called growing faith. Everyone shout growing faith. Growing faith. Many times we as believers want unshakable faith. But the question is, are you willing to have your faith be shaken? Let me say that one more time. All of us want unshakable faith, but the question is, are you willing to have your faith be shaken? It is here in growing faith that God matures our faith. He matures our faith when we go through life situations. He matures our faith when life's pressures from the culture tries to change what we believe. Here in growing faith that he matures us. James 1, 2 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And if any one of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without reproach and he gives it willingly. You know, it is the pressure of culture and modern day truths and the pressures of life situations that try to drift us from being anchored in faith. But not only is there saving faith, not only is there growing faith, but everybody shout knowing faith. There is knowing faith. There is knowing faith. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Job. And Job, who was a man who had faith, unshakable faith in God. But God took him through a situation where he lost his family, he lost his possessions, and he even had sickness in his body. But the Bible tells us that he had faith in God. His, his friends didn't want him to believe in God. His wife didn't want him to believe in God. But in the midst of everything he went through, the Bible says that Job looked at what he was going through and he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters, that's the type of knowing faith that God wants us to have. He wants us to have this knowing faith. 
Job said, he said, Lord, once he got everything back, as some preachers would say, he got double for his trouble. The Bible says this. He said, God, I heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see you with my eyes. Let me say that one more time. Job, once he got everything back that he lost, he said, God, before all this, I heard you, but now I see you. What is he simply saying? He said, God, before I went through what I went through, I heard you as a healer. But it wasn't until I went through sickness that I now see you as a healer. It wasn't, it wasn't until I lost everything that I started to see you as a provider. At first, I heard you by being a provider, but now it wasn't until I lost everything that I see you as a provider. It wasn't until I didn't know which way I was supposed to go until I saw you as a way maker. Sometimes we hear of God, but when we go through situations, sometimes we have a hand-on experience of who God really is. Not only is there wanting us to be anchored in faith. But number two, he wants us to be anchored in the word. Everybody shall be anchored in the word. Paul said, we ask that God will give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Let me say this. If you want to know God's will, you need to know God's word. Let me say that one more time. If you want to know God's will, you need to know God's word. When I was a little boy, I had to go to the doctors, and I don't like, like shots. And so y'all pray for me when we have to take our son to get his shots. I don't like them. Uh, I don't believe they're from God, but uh, that's another story. So uh, I, I don't like shots. And so when I was little, uh, I had to go to the doctors and get my shot. And my mother promised me, because she knew I didn't like shots, she said, okay, afterwards we can go to Chuck E. Cheese. And so I got to the doctors. I said, okay, put it right here. I'm going to Chuck E. Cheese right after. Put it right here. And so I got, I got excited, tears and all. And I left the doctors. We got in the car. And when we got in the car, we drove right past Chuck E. Cheese. I love my mama. I know she's watching. I love you, mama. But, 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 but I, I, that, that scarred me, y'all. That scarred me. And so, so, so one day as I got older and got around high school, uh, my dad told me, he said, Rodney, if you, if you do your homework and clean your, clean your cho- and do your chores and everything, he said, we'll go to Six Flags this weekend. And y'all know I did my homework. I, I cleaned my room. I did everything I was supposed to do. And my sister came to me and said, Rodney, why are you doing all your chores early? Why are you just sitting here doing all your homework? You don't want to come and play? I said, no, daddy said, if I get it all done right now, we're going to go to uh, Six Flags. And she said, she said, well, you know, when you were little, uh, uh, mommy said that we were going to go to Chuck E. Cheese after you got your shot. And I said, why did you have to bring that up? Uh, but she, she, said, she said, that's what, that's what daddy said. I, I said, I, yeah, I re- that's what mommy said. I said, yeah, I remember that. But, but she said, but you're saying, daddy said, if you do your homework and if you clean your, do your chores, we're going to go to Six Flags. I said, yes, I, 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 I believe daddy's going to do it. And she said, why? I said, simply because daddy said it is going to come to pass. And that's why I'm going to do everything right now simply because daddy said it. I don't think he's going to change his mind simply because he said it. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters? That's the same thing without God. If he said it, it's going to come to pass. My grandfathers used to say this. They used to say, uh, if God said it, I believe it. That settles it. How many of you heard of that growing up? If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But after studying theologically, you understand that that is not theologically correct. 
If God said it, I believe it. That settles it. Can I tell you something? Just because God said it, it's going to come to pass. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. If God said it, it's going to come to pass. Why? Because the Bible says that he's not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should repent. And therefore, man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So if my daddy said it, I believe it, and that settles it. John 17, 17 says, sanctifying them with the truth, your word is truth. I know God's word is the truth because the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. So therefore, I believe it. And my brothers and sisters, here we see just as the church of Colossia was experiencing false teaching and cultural pressures, and we're even facing that here today in our nation, is getting us to question where do we stand with certain issues, topics, and even the word of God and even our salvation. I've learned that just because it sounds like the truth doesn't mean it is the truth. Many of us want to believe that because the times are changing, that that the word of God needs to change with the times. But can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters, God's word does not change even though time changes. Because the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is not confined within time, even though he's the author of time, God does not change. The Bible says the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, but the word of God will stand forever. And because his word stands forever, that is what I'm anchored in. That's what's unchanging. That is what's unmoving. And that is what keeps me sure. So, so not only does Paul pray with this church, not only is he saying you need to be anchored in faith, you need to be anchored in the word, but lastly, he says you need to be anchored in joy. Somebody shout, be anchored in joy. The, the text says we also pray that you be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need so you'll be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Can, can I tell you that the heart and the aim of this culture and revelance and philosophy is just to make you happy? Let, let me tell you, say it one more time. The goal of this culture and philosophy of this world, their aim is just to make you happy. But if I may shine some light for a moment, God's word and his desire is not to make you happy. His desire is to make us holy. Let me say that one more time. It's not God's desire to make us happy. It's God's desire to make us holy. Preach Rodney, thank you. It's God's desire to make us holy holy. Because my brothers and sisters, we must understand that happiness will not give you strength when, to endure and the situations that you will go through. Patience uh, is not given when you have happiness because happiness will shift when life shifts. But when we are anchored in faith and anchored in the word, we will be anchored in joy. Why do you say that, Pastor Rodney? I'm glad you asked. Romans 15 says, he says, the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Many people may ask you, why in the world do you lift up your hands? I love how Lori was just up here just lifting up her hands and worshiping. Y'all may look at some of the people in the church. You say, why in the world do you lift up your hands and worship God? 
and you got a bad report from the doctors, how in the world can you lift up your hands and worship God when you had tough times at work? How in the world can you lift up your hands and worship God when you feel the pressures of life from this culture? How in the world can you lift up your hands and worship when your children are far away from God? It's because I'm not anchored in my happiness. I'm anchored in joy. Psalm 16 says, you make known to me the path of life because in your presence there is what? Fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, my brothers and sisters, if we understand the potter and the clay, I told you in the beginning that the potter must have the clay in the center of the wheel. If the clay is not properly centered in the wheel, it will begin to fall apart. But not only must it be in the center of the wheel so it won't fall apart, but the potter must always have his hands on the clay. So as long as the potter has his hands on the clay, no matter what the clay goes through, the clay will not fall apart. Can someone in here today testify that the reason why you have not fallen apart, the reason why you have not lost your mind, the reason why you have not given up is because God has his hands on you. Can you testify today by the fact that the reason why I have joy is because God had his hands on me. The reason why I have peace is because God has his hands on me. I'm getting excited all by myself. God says, I have my hands on you. That's the thing that can give you joy. The thing that I can be anchored in. I'm anchored in faith. I'm anchored in the word. I'm anchored in joy. But the reason why I'm able to be anchored in faith and joy is because I'm anchored in the word. I want to encourage you. This is your homework this week. This is your homework this week. I want you to find one scripture that you're going to anchor your life in. Whatever you go through, this is the scripture I'm going to anchor my life in. This is a scripture that you can anchor your life in. That the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Anchor in that. Some of you need to anchor in the scripture that says God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory anchor in that some of y'all probably need to anchor yourself in the scripture that says when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard some of you probably need to anchor in the scripture that says weeping may endure for a night but joy will come in the morning some of you need to anchor your life in that some of you probably need to anchor your life in the scripture that says all things work together. It may not look good. It may not feel good. It may not seem good, but all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Anchor yourself in the word. Anchor yourself in joy and anchor yourself in him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your word is active and it's alive. God, even in the midst of 2020, we're out of it. We thank you, God, that you kept us. But now we're in 2021, God, we simply ask that it is our prayer that we remain anchored in the center. God, increase our faith. Give us a hunger for your word. And God, we know we will have joy that's unspeakable. Because God, we know that when we have our souls anchored in you, we have joy unspeakable. And we can declare that the joy that we have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. And to give y'all the glory, the honor, and the praise is in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hope to see you next week.